It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Um, the question of, of football and head injuries. And what does it mean for young people, for children, uh, growing kids, developing brains to play football? Right? We, we know a lot more about the impacts that concussions can have and some of the issues that that creates for professional football players. It's something that the NFL and you know, obviously by extension the CFL have had to deal with. There's new research showing that for children, even just one season of football, even without concussions, there are noticeable changes that occur. So why would that be happening? And what should we take from that? Uh, joining us to talk more about it is uh, the lead author of this study, Dr. Christopher Whitlow, who's with the Wake Forest School of Medicine in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He joins us on the line here today. Dr. Whitlow, welcome to the program. Well, hey, thanks for having me. All right. Well, th- this is some ongoing research you- you've been involved in. I know you- you've published some other st- studies uh, previous to this, but but talk a bit about what what it is you're looking at here and what you're trying to understand. Yeah, sure. I, I heard your intro, and, and, and uh, I think you kind of nailed it, that... Um, you know, I think it's pretty clear from uh, the evidence, and a lot of experts agree that concussions are bad for your brain. You know, but what about all those other head impacts that um, accrue over the season um, of play? You know, should we be worried about those? And um, you know, this is important, particularly for for young people whose brains are actively developing. Um, you probably know that. I mean, there's a lot of ongoing research um, in the area of concussion, mm-hmm. um, particularly. Um, at the collegiate level and the NFL level, you know, $100 million uh, uh, earmarked for, for studying um, football primarily uh, from the G NFL challenge. But, you know, if you think about it, there are maybe 2,000 active NFL players, around 100,000 collegiate players, but there's um, more than 5 million youth and high school players. So, and in particular for youth, there's 2,000 youth players for every one NFL player. And, and so, you know, really uh, our interest is in the vast majority of players, you know, our youth players. And, um, you know, in particular with concussion, as you know, many of you have probably seen the movie, and it's about this disease uh, called chroma, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy and that, that people are seeing um, in some athletes at the, at the, uh, who play NFL football. But, you know, a lot of people think that that disease um, – so-called disease, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, isn't isn't just reflecting the exposure and concussions that occurred just during um, an NFL player's kind of NFL career, but may reflect all of the cumulative exposure that they've had over a lifetime of play. And, you know, um, most NFL players also played youth football, high school football, um, college football, et cetera. And so, uh, you know, our interest is in the majority of players, and our interest is in all of these head impacts that maybe don't lead to a concussion, but um, still um, occur during the season and, and should we be worried about those. All right. Well, when you talk about then noticeable changes after even a season of football, um, what, what are those changes then that you're seeing? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, what, what I can tell you what they're not. They're what they're not is that if you pull up a brain a brain scan, you know, from the from the beginning of the season, and then you pull up um, the brain scan from the end of the season for an individual player. Um, if you were looking at it with your naked eye, you're not going to see any change. So um, it's it's really important to say that these are very subtle changes. They're changes that we really need um, a group of players to kind of be able to pick up. But the important thing is that they're associated with exposure. So, uh, like yeah, I think you mentioned, or you may have mentioned that uh, in these players, all their helmets are are uh, instrumented with these head sensors that that detect head impact exposure. Mm-hmm. And so we know exactly how much exposure a player has had over the season, the magnitude of force, the number of, of hits, the linear and rota- rotational accelerations that are associated with the forces exerted on their head. And um, these particular changes that we're talking about, um, so the, the ones with more head impact exposure had more change, the ones with least uh, less head impact exposure had less change. And so the changes we're talking about are related to that exposure, which is why they kind of piqued our interest. Okay. So this is, um, well, in terms of what, what it means on its own, that, that noticing these changes, does it automatically mean that there are going to be issues down the road? I think that that's another really good question. The answer is no. We don't know. Uh, we don't know what they, these changes really mean. You know, it's important to put into context that, you know, football is a physical sport. So you have a, you know, you wouldn't be surprised to have physical changes at the end of the season, bumps, bruises, nicks and cuts that go away, mm-hmm. you know, after a couple weeks. Well, you know, it's possible that this, that this change that we're seeing in the brain is just another manifestation of the kinds of physical changes that, that you have after a season of football that just go away. Um, I think the, the importance of noticing them is that now we can ask the question, you know, do these kind of changes persist? Do they go away? Um, do you have even more changes if you play multiple seasons? But I think we're a long way uh, we're a long way from having a definitive answer for you know what they mean, if they're meaningful, and in particular if they're predictive of anything in the future, which which we just can't say at this point. Well, you know, and I mean, it, it's it puts parents in a tough spot because I, I think parents want to make sure their their kids are protected, and and maybe this is the kind of thing that would discourage them from from putting their kids in football. But is is that do you think an overreaction to these findings? I think it. I, I worry that it is, um, because and, and I say that because uh, there are so many uh, known health benefits to sports related activity. Right. You know, we're in the middle of this obesity crisis among our youth around in our country. And what we don't want to do is discourage physical activity. We want to promote physical activity. We want our children out running, playing, getting a lot of exercise. And there are so many benefits to team, to sports, and particularly team sports. You know, there's great life lessons to be learned from playing on a team and learning how to be a, how to be a team player, how to have you know, um, developing leadership skills and um, so many great things related to sports. But, you know, at the same time, we want to maximize all those great health benefits to sports that we know exist, and we want to minimize the risks. I think it's also important to know that there are risks in everything that we do. So there's risks in riding your bike. There's risks in getting in a car and driving. You know, that we we can't completely eliminate all risk out of our life. But what we can do is if we identify um, if we identify aspects of any kind of sports-related activity that might 
increase the risk of a child and we and we identify that as a problem then we have a target to do something about it we can you know we can make the sport as safe as we can and that's really our main goal we want to we want to save football we want to make it as safe as possible so that you know our children can enjoy playing it and we can enjoy watching it for the next hundred years yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean other sports. I mean hockey's big up here. Obviously, hockey's got its own issues with concussions. Even even That's soccer right. and and what we're learning about the impact of of kids hitting the ball, right? There's concern there. But are, are there unique risks that pertain specifically to football? Um, that's a hard question to answer. But I would I would sort of I think I would agree with what you're saying that that any kind of uh, sports related activity that has contact and potentially where there's potential for head impact exposure, I think that, you know, we need to ask ourselves that question. Um, you know, are there risks of repeatedly, you know, impacting your head um, and, and, and the cumulative effects of that? Are there any? And I just think it's, it's uh, here, you know, until now, no one's really asked that question, but I think it's important. Like you said, uh, you know, the brain is developing in these children and we want to know and we want to be able to um, find some definitive um answers that we can use to help parents decide you know, how, how best to protect their children and how best to promote their health. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Uh, Dr. Whitlow, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Appreciate this. Hey, thanks for your uh, interest in our work, and thanks for having me on your show. All right. All the best. Take care, Dr. Christopher Whitlow. He's at Wake Forest School of Medicine, Winston-Salem, Salem, North Carolina, lead author of this new study. And um, as he says, right, they, they don't know necessarily what that means, just that they're observing it, that these these changes are, are noticeable, even after just one year of, of playing football, even if the kids never had a concussion. So it might be cause for concern. It might be something to, to keep a close eye on. And I think the first step, and it's what a lot of sports are doing, football, hockey, and others, are improving in recognizing concussions, recognizing the symptoms of concussions, getting kids out making sure the kids aren't playing with concussions and that they take the time to recover from concussions, right? That's got to be step one. And I think we're starting to see that. But does football pose a a unique risk given the the nature of the sport and the repeated contact? I I think there are some people who, who believe that. All right, let's, uh, let's take some calls here, 403-974-8255. We've got uh, Andrew on the line. Good afternoon, Andrew. Hey, Rob. I, uh, I grew up playing football and rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big thing that I was taught in football was to lead with your head. You've got a helmet, use it. Right. When I play rugby, it's, you know, you've got shoulders, use your shoulders. You've got arms, use your arms, right? And you're going to avoid any head contact that way. And... That being said, I've had more head injuries because of playing football than playing rugby. And I only played two seasons of football, and I'm 26 years old and still play rugby to this day. Yeah, you know, I wonder if there's something to that, right? I mean, you know, you go back and you look at old pictures of of football where they barely had any kind of protection. They have those leather caps on their head and they weren't helmets. But were there fewer injuries back then, fewer concussions then? I just wonder, the more you bulk up football players with, with equipment, the more invincible they feel, the more high-impact collisions you get. Maybe that's contributing to the problem. I, I, maybe it is a paradox. If, if we see fewer injuries in rugby, where there's still physical contact, but nobody's wearing equipment, maybe that should tell us something. Yeah, most definitely. You watch any NFL game or CFL and count how many times somebody goes in and wraps around the body as opposed to, you know, leading with the head and hitting them in the chest with your helmet. 
or going helmet to helmet and causing two concussions at once. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good point, Andrew. Appreciate the phone call. Let's uh, get Ed in here. Hey, Ed. Hi. I, I honestly believe it's the start of the end for football. Yeah. I know uh, my son-in-law has played it. Um, their sons won't be. I don't see the same problem with hockey. I think they can take headshots out of hockey. Um, so that, that, that's my opinion of it. I, I wouldn't want to be a, uh, a shareholder in some of the big uh, football teams. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it, football's at a crossroads, uh, I think, Ed. And, you know, movies like Concussion and, uh, you know, what we, we've learned about CTE. And um, uh, there, there's no escaping it, right? No, that, that, yes, that's, that's my opinion. I, in today's world of uh, technology, could not a study be done of ex-football players? Couldn't that be uh, decided rather uh, easily? I, I, I think it could be. Um, you know, with the life expectancy, uh, health issues. I think if they wanted to, they could come to a conclusion fairly quickly. Yeah, I think you're starting to see that, Ed. I'd be appreciate the phone call. You know, a lot of fo- former football players and people from other sports, even a lot of former professional wrestlers have said, you know what, when I die, I'm going to donate my brain to science so there can be study. We can learn more about all of this. So there's, there's that side of it. All right, listen, let's take a break here. We'll come back, and we can talk a bit more about this. Uh, I do want to talk a bit more about the 50-50 Edmonton Oilers story out of Edmonton, which we're getting a lot of text on here. 403-974-8255. Same number, your calls, your texts. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.